live long enough, we'll be taken right on out of here, won't even have to experience death, that'd be all right. I don't like the idea of dying, I'd rather just live right on through, you know, that'd be all right with me. All right, let's go ahead and uh, prepare and plan and ready ourselves for the lesson tonight or message. Again, we're continuing in our study, we're dealing with this issue of the mission of the church, and we've been uh, discussing the master plan for world evangelism. And uh, it seems like everything's kind of culminating, coming together as we have our soul winning training kicking off. We've got this series taking place and so many things going on that focus and direct our attention towards soul winning. But uh, that's good and that's excellent because it helps us to keep our mind there where it needs to be right now as we just prepare and ready ourselves for the coming year. You know, God had a plan <clears throat> and for world evangelism and you and I, we play a very integral, very important part in that plan. And uh, this evening, I want to consider this thought. I want to consider the master plan summarized. There's a verse in the Bible that we're going to look at tonight that kind of summarizes this whole master plan, kind of brings it right down where we live, makes it real simple. And so tonight, we're not going to spend a lot of time. Tonight. We're going to, it's not going to be like no hour and a half message or anything. We're going to get right to it, deal with it. But we want to grow. We want to leave here with something in our heart and our mind that will help us and encourage us. And every time you read this verse or every time you think about this verse, it'll kind of capsulize everything that has to do with this thought of world evangelism. And so I've, I'm excited about it. But the master plan presents a method that when it's followed will produce rapid growth. Now again, someone says, well, why aren't we seeing rapid growth? Well, we're not probably, we're not following the plan the way it needs followed. Uh, there's, uh, someone says, well, wait a second now. That, that growth's not based on us. It's based on God. God gives the increase. Hold on. Okay, I want to discuss that for just a minute. Um, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. And he makes the statement found in chapter 3. Turn, if you would, there, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7. I want to address that issue because sometimes I think we misunderstand passages or we turn them to fit our own personal views. And I just want you to understand and see this passage for a minute and try to put it in perspective so that we don't allow it to hamper or hinder our outlook on soul winning in any way because it shouldn't. It, has, it should not in any way cause us to wonder or doubt well, maybe it's just because God doesn't want to bless us. No, God wants to bless us. God wants to give increase. Oh, I understand. You say times are tough. Things are different. Well, that's the attitude that kills churches. That's the attitude that kills ministry right there. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that it may not be tough. And I'm not saying it's not difficult. I think there's always been challenges in every generation. But, but I do think we need to be careful. So let's look at the passage for a minute and let's note it. Because you are correct if you said, but God giveth the increase. You are right on the money. And it says right here in chapter 3, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7, Paul the Apostle says, I have planted, <clears throat> Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now again, the passage clearly states where the increase comes from, doesn't it? Real clear, very clear. The increase comes from who? It comes from who? Absolutely. The increase comes from God. That's real clear. Although you and I are commanded to work, commanded to witness, God Himself is responsible for what? Results. The increase. We understand that. We, we see that there. Still, again, as I mentioned, I'm a little concerned sometimes that the passage could be misunderstood, even to the point where it could promote an apathetical view toward the lost. You say, what do you mean? Well, 
let, let me help you understand this. Like, for instance, we say, well, God gives the increase, so therefore, well, look it, we're doing the best we can around here. There's just no increase. Obviously, God doesn't want us to have one. Wait, wait a second. Hold on a second. Hold that thought, because I want you to understand the context of this passage first, because it's not saying that. Notice what the Bible says here. It says, um, <clears throat> or let me just say it this way. The church at Corinth had all the spiritual blessings that, and gifts that you can imagine. It was a very blessed church in that regard. But it was also a very corrupt, very carnal, a very confused church as well. Within the ranks of that church and within the ranks of the people of God, there was a lot of contention and competition. So look, if you will, now at 1 Corinthians 3, but we're going to look at the first four verses now. Notice what it says there. It says, <clears throat> And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Now, I want you to understand something. I want you to see this for a minute. This is important. There's a couple things. This isn't really part of it. But notice what it says here, verse 3. He says, Ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions. Are you not carnal? Walk as men. You say, well, yeah, we're, we're men. We're mankind. Yeah, I know, but you're not. You're child, children of God now. You shouldn't, that's not how we're supposed to act. Those aren't the kind of characteristics and qualities that need to be evident in the life of a believer or especially in the life of a church member. And again, if you are envious, if you are full of strife and division, guess what you are? According to the Bible, define. What are you according to the Bible? The word is what? Carnal. So let's say it together. If I am full of envy, strife, if I am full of, of division, I'm, I'm, then I'm, I'm what? I am carnal. Now listen. God says that, not the pastor at Community Baptist Temple, not, not some other preacher, some radio, television evangelist. No, I'm talking about God says, if you are a person that's envious, strife, causing strife and division, you are carnal. That's what the Bible labels you, calls you. Okay. Now, that's what's going on in the church of Corinth. There's all kind of division taking place. There's strife. There's contention. And as a result of that, he says, listen, I can't feed you what I'd like to feed you. I can't give you what you really need. i got to keep treating you like a bunch of little babies because you can't get along. That's exactly what he's saying. You say, well, that's ridiculous. That would never happen in modern-day churches. Okay. But anyway, the fact is, is that that's what he's saying. Now, now, again, notice the context here. What's going on is there's division. Now, he, he goes on to explain further. He says, he says over here, he says, For while one saith, I am a Paul... And another, I'm of Apollos. He says, listen, now you're, you're dividing the church up. One saying, well, I'm following Paul. I believe what Paul says. And I, and I agree with how Paul addresses this. And I, I like how Paul deals with the subject. And, and I think he's got better ideas. And so the other one says, well, no, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with Brother Paul. I think Brother Paulus is right on target. He's spot on. I'm telling you right now, if I was going to do it, I'm following Apollos. I think he should be in charge. I don't like how things are being run right now. I prefer him over him. 
He says, on, on one hand, he says, I'm a Paul. He's my man. The other one said, I'm with Apollos. What's that called? Division. It's division. I think there's a problem already because, first of all, Paul's not the pastor of the church. So we got a problem already. Okay, that, that's a problem already. But what we find here is that there's division. Now, again, I'm bringing it up for the simple fact we're trying to understand the context of the passage so we don't misappropriate it. The purpose for emphasizing that Christ alone is responsible for the increase is to take the focus off of man and ensure that God who is glor- that God is glorified for the result. That's all. See, someone said, I'm following Paul. Look at how he's being blessed. Look at all the souls he's won. Look at all the, the, the churches he's begun. Oh, I, I, I'm with Apollos. He's our pastor here. And, and, and he's been doing a good work here. And, and I see him out witnessing. And he's been a blessing to the people of God. Well, I, I think Paul, he's the one. No, 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 no. He says, no. God gives the increase. The purpose of the passage is to point people to Jesus Christ and say, it's not a man that gets the glory, it's God that should be getting the glory for the increase. This is not a matter of, will there be an increase or not? There's always going to be an increase when we're doing things God's way. We don't believe that, though, today, do we? We say, well, we haven't seen the increase like we what? Yeah, I guarantee you, if we just go back a few months ago... Let's go back a few months ago when those big boards were over there and we knocked on about 10,000 doors in three weeks. Then tell me there was no increase. Remember all the testimonies in the crowd on Saturday mornings and all the people that started coming out? People got excited about what God was doing? Guess what? If we did that every week, we'd have the same result. So it's not a matter of God obviously doesn't want us to increase. He wants us to just stay where we're at. There's something wrong. There's something unholy about that spirit. There ought to be a holy dissatisfaction with stagnation in the church. I'm not saying you say, well, you're supposed to be content in whatsoever state you are. You can be content with a holy dissatisfaction. You don't have to be content to be a loser. Do you think the Denver Broncos ought to be content? With losing, I'm not saying that they shouldn't. They're going to have to deal with it and face it. Okay, we lost. But man, listen, come next spring or next summer when they start practicing, I'm going to tell you something. I'd be mentioning it all the time. Listen, guys, we, we got ran the ground. Listen, it's time to get deal. We're not happy about how that ended. We're going to change some things around here. You get where I'm going? I mean, there's something's got to happen. And I'm just saying as the children of God, this isn't a passage that says, well, work and witness, but then just hope God blesses. You don't have to hope. God's already promised to bless. He's already promised. Paul is just redirecting their praise to the one who deserves it most, and that's God. And you know, there's no one more capable, no one more able than God to bring the increase. Aren't you glad that the increase isn't dependent on us and our feeble abilities, but instead it's based on His Infinite power. Hold on a second. I think I just stepped on a shoestring. I'll go, well, as they would say, I'll be tripping. I don't want to do that. I'm not in front of everybody. You know, I'm, we don't want that to start happening. Whoa. 
So anyway. So with that said, we need to possess a mindset that's uh, uh, that of fruit. And although fruit is seasonal, I understand that. It is seasonal. It should be expected what? Regularly. You get what I'm saying? I know there are times, you know, fruits, fruit bearing is kind of seasonal, right? You know, certain times there's planting, there's sowing, there's fruit bearing. I understand that. But in your life, you'll see that. You'll see the ebbs and flows in your soul winning and your outreach. But, but it's still consistent. There's, there's an expectation there. If a tree stops bearing fruit, it's probably dead. You understand? So it's important to understand that it's a constant. So, yes, indeed, it's, it's, it should be expected regularly. And, you know, God's able to do that, and He is willing to do that. So after training the apostles for over three years, Jesus is coming to the close of His earthly ministry. It's the final service. It's the final time. He's getting together with His leaders. He's going to summarize in one verse now, just one verse, the outline or the plan for world evangelism. I want you to take your Bible and turn over to the book of John, chapter 15, verse 16. What a tremendous passage this is. John 15, 16. <clears throat> Notice what the Bible says. It says... The Lord Jesus speaking again to his disciples, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. I want to take a few minutes tonight, and I want to consider the master plan summarized. We're going to run right through it. Right through that verse is all we're going to do. And then we're done. You know how quickly I run through these verses, so it won't be but a minute or two. But we better pray to ask the Lord to help me to do this quickly. Ready? Let's do that. Father, thank you again for these that were able to be here tonight. I understand, Lord, there's some that just could not get out. There's others that were just downright fearful of falling and hurting themselves. We pray, Lord, you'd bless them tonight. You'd just encourage them in their absence here tonight. I know their prayers are with us. Their thoughts are with us. And Lord, may you just encourage them tonight in spite of it. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us tonight. Lord, we do want to hear from heaven. We want to hear from you, the master, not a mere man. So Lord, speak to us tonight. May our hearts be encouraged to realize that there are people in need and you are able to win them and ultimately grow them for you. Help us, Lord, we pray tonight. Encourage us in Christ's name. Amen. Um, first of all, notice that it says in the passage, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. This master plan includes a chosen people, a people that are set apart for service. Set apart for service. The disciples were hand-picked by the Lord Jesus Christ. They were hand-picked to do a mighty and a miraculous work on His behalf, were they not? That's a wonderful thing to think about. Literally, Jesus Christ went out and handpicked those disciples and He gave them a job to do. He specifically gave them a purpose that they would fulfill. You know, the first thing that you and I have got to get straight in our minds is that we are not of this world. We may be in the world, but we are not of this world. We have to get that straight. Jesus told His disciples... 
I have chosen you out of this world. In John 15, 19, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You've been chosen out of the world. I've been chosen out of the world. That's important to understand and to realize. We try to fit into this world so much. We want to we want to appeal to those uh, our peers and we want to we want to fit in with those groups of people. We want, we don't want to be standing on the outside looking in. We always want to be in the in crowd. But let me tell you something. If you're a child of God tonight, you are not of this world. And and, and the sooner you figure it out, the quicker you begin to grow as a believer. Because as long as you want to hold on to the world and be like the world, you cannot be like Christ. It says, but it's fun. It may seem fun. And there is, you know, um, pleasure in sin for a season. But my friend, we have an eternity to face the God of heaven who loved us and gave himself for us. We're going to stand before him and give an account one day for everything we've said and everything we've done. How sobering of a thought is that? You have not chosen me. And we get the idea we did God a favor when we came to Christ. You're so lucky I'm at church tonight, preacher. Especially after the weather the way it is. You're lucky. Why would I be lucky? Man, this is all God. You're lucky God chose you. I'm lucky God chose me. I'm not doing God any favor standing up here tonight. I'm not doing God any favor singing a song or, or, or whatever it might be, uh, doing a presentation or preaching a message. No, not at all. He's done me the favor. He chose me. I didn't choose him. You say, well, you had to call on his name. Okay, in that sense, yes, but he, he came to me. He loved me first, and he loves you first. We've been chosen out of the world. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, you know the passage, but he tells us that you're not your own. He says, why? You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Isn't that amazing? So we aren't of this world. First of all, we've been chosen and set apart for service. That's an important truth as we consider this aspect of world evangelism, as we consider the master plan to reach the world with the gospel. And then in the passage, we see that the service that we've been set apart for involved going to the lost. It involved going to the lost. These men were told, he says, I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go. That ye should go. That's what he said to them. The service involved going to the lost. And you know what? If you're saved tonight and I'm saved tonight, then God's chosen us too. And, 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 and if he saved us and he's chosen us, he's chosen us to go. There are 168 hours in every week. And every child of God ought to have some time set aside to go. Set aside to go. No one plans to fail. They just fail to plan. You really want to get something done, you got to schedule it. A husband tells his wife over and over again. He says, you know, 
you know, we're going to go out sometime. You know, when we get some time, we're going to go out for dinner. and We're going to have a good time and just me and you sit down, talk, have a chance to catch up on things. We're going to do that. Comes back the next few days later. You know what? When we get, I, I, I had a busy couple days, but I'm telling you, it seems like things might slow down next week. We're going to get together. We're going to go out. We're going to have a good time, sit down, relax, catch up with one another. Comes back next week. Ah, time just seems to go so fast, doesn't it? She says, yeah, you're not a kid, and I've been ramming kids here and doing this and doing that. Before you know it, two months goes by, and three months goes by, and four or five months goes by. No one's gone out. No one's caught up. No one's been together. Why? Because it wasn't scheduled. You want to get that kind of thing done, you've got to put it on the calendar. You've got to schedule that thing. You've got to say, we're going out this Thursday night. I don't care what anybody says. And then when somebody calls and says, listen, man, you know, I really could use your help with this. He, he doesn't say, well, oh, sorry, honey, we can't make it because, you know, they just called last minute and need me to run over there and take care of this business. And, and she's not saying, well, you know what? Uh, one of the kids wants us to watch one of the kids this weekend, so we can't go out tonight. Bull. They better find another babysitter because if they didn't get a hold of us sooner than that, there's a problem. Now, if I'm available, one thing, but don't ask me to do that last second when I got a date with the thing God gave me. The person God gave me. The thing? <laughs> that didn't come across good. Maybe we better go out, honey, and spend some time together. Get to know one another. Thing, huh? Okay. Wow, that's putting your foot in your mouth. But you got to plan it. you got to schedule it. Same with soul winning, right? 168 hours a week. You want to go? You better plan it. You won't go. You'll forget. You'll get too caught up. You'll get too busy, too distracted. But you've been chosen. He said, I've chosen you and ordained you that ye should go. Then we see, third, the service involved winning the lost. Notice that he says here, and bring forth fruit and bring forth fruit so putting it together you've not chosen me but i've chosen you and ordained that you should go and bring forth fruit isn't that wonderful aren't you tired of not bearing fruit that'd drive you crazy that drives me nuts i hate those droughts i hate when i don't get a chance to lead some of the lord that bothers me i know it bothers you too he says you know why it bothers you i hope it does at least because you were created to bring forth fruit. That's your purpose for existing. You say, no, it isn't. It's to take care of my family. No, it isn't. No, that's a privilege you get. You get an opportunity to have a family. That's a blessing. You're a steward of them. Your purpose isn't just to go bring a paycheck home so somebody can sit and eat food at the dinner table. you got an eternal purpose, not just a temporal purpose. I mean, those are all things that we do and we, we, we provide. And God tells us that a man that doesn't work isn't, is worse than an infidel. We understand that. I understand that. But our purpose is eternal. It's not temporal. It's not temporal. We're to bring forth fruit. Some interpret this particular portion of the scripture we're talking about bringing forth fruit as the fruit of the Holy Ghost, okay? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. 
Galatians 5, 23. We understand that. And, and, and I can understand where people fall that way. I, I know I leaned that way years ago, and I, I think that there's, there's good evidence that it could mean that partially. But hold on. I do think there's more to it than that. I remember years ago in Bible college, you know, I thought I really had a handle on all this. I thought I had it all figured out. And I went to the, 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 the uh, Dr. Cummins at the time. He was the, the, the chancellor of the school. He was the pastor of the, of the, 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 the uh, church there. And he was teaching a class on evangelism. He used this verse. And he talked about, you know, uh, to bring forth fruit. And he started talking about, that's souls right there. That's souls. And I went to him later and I said, uh, Dr. Cummins, I said, you know, we're to interpret Scripture with Scripture, right? Well, I thought I had him. He said, well, uh, uh, yeah, that's correct, Brother O'Donnell. I said, well, if you... Compare scripture with scripture, you see John when it says bring forth, you know, uh, bring forth fruit. You take that word fruit, you run over to Galatians. The Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit being spoken of there is the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? He looked at me and he said, I suppose you could say that, but it's not. It's souls. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. I went, okay. <laughs> what are you going to tell a guy that's 70 years old and been in the ministry and built a church and God's blessed his ministry, blessed his family, blessed his home? I mean, what are you going to tell him? You're wrong, Dr. Cummins. I'm 20-some years old. I know what I'm talking about. No, I, I just went, okay, I concede victory to you. Everything that is healthy brings forth fruit. Everything. Includes the child of God. If you're saved, you were chosen. Chosen to what? Win souls. Bring forth fruit. Someone says, I that's that's uncomfortable. That the thought of that is uncomfortable. Because I'm not I don't feel qualified for that. I don't feel I'm not good at that. I don't have the gift of tongues. Or speaking. You can call it whatever you want. I, I'm just saying, I, don't, I can't talk well. I don't have a good tongue. That's all right. You don't need a good tongue. All you need to be is willing. You just need to be willing. You've got to have a heart. That's what you need. You've got to care about people and care about souls. Someone says, I'm not good at just, I'm not good. Words don't roll off my tongue like you or somebody else. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I know that excuse. I've heard that for years. Yeah, well, see, I'm not like you. Hmm, let's see. Wait a second now. I just got this great idea. Or this thought. I thought we were all supposed to be like Jesus. Isn't that what the Bible says? Was Jesus pretty good at this? Was he? Well, then what excuse do we have? other than the fact that we're rebellious and disobedient and unwilling to let Christ be real and live in our heart like that. Because we're to be Christ-like. The Bible says that over in the book of Romans, doesn't it? That we're to be changed and conformed to His image? Wait a second. It's not a matter of me being like you or you being like me or or us being like someone else. Well, I don't have the gifts that He has and I don't have the gifts she has. and I, I can't do like... I don't know if Jesus could sing a lick. 
The Bible doesn't really tell us if he had a good voice, but what we do know is he had an ability to reach people with the gospel. Why? Not because he was so fluid in his speech probably, but because he had the power of the Holy Ghost in his life. When Christ lives in us and we become Christ-like, then we have an ability to reach people with the gospel like he did because we can do even greater things than he did, he says. Because we're like him. And there's more of us like him now. Isn't that amazing? See, we're always trying to measure up to someone else's standard. We're always trying to compare ourselves to human elements. You know, well, I can't sing or I can't talk or I can't share and I don't have the gift of gab, and I don't, doesn't matter. You don't need it. Do you have Christ in you? Are you Christ-like? Are you allowing God to conform you to the image of his son? Because that's really the real issue here. We like excuses because they appease our consciences. They make us feel good about ourselves. We say, well, if, if I was like him, then I would feel a little more indebted to that ministry. I don't have the gift of evangelism. First of all, it's not in the Bible, so none of us have it. But the fact is, is that we want to talk about being a recluse. Honestly, I'm like you probably. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't need anybody but my wife and family to be happy. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm weird like that. I could live somewhere in the woods and have my wife to come home to every day and carry a big old chicken over my shoulder, run in and throw it on the table and go, there you go, honey, fix her up. I'm going outside to take a walk in the wilderness. I probably could live like that as long as she was making the food and taking care of me. So, I mean, I'd be all right with that. Now, I enjoy, like last night was a dinner series. I, I got a kick out of that. I enjoyed being around the people. I like that. But God put that in my heart. That's not me. You understand what I'm saying? That's not really me. Oh, I don't do bad around people. Don't misunderstand me. But it's not something that I can't wait to do. I, I, I see three people sitting in this room. It's not me that wants to go talk to them. I want to, will somebody go talk to them? Who's going to talk to them? Because I really don't want to talk to them. That's me. That's me. You say, well, that's, that's not what we see. You know why? Because that's what I, I'm not allowed to be that. Because that's not what Jesus would do. Jesus would step up there and talk to them. Or Jesus would introduce himself. Jesus would try to talk to them and encourage them and make them feel welcome. That's what I'm supposed to do. Because he's supposed to be him. And if I don't have that desire, ultimately, it's because I've not let Christ be real in my life. It's not that I'm not like someone else. It's like I'm not like him then. So, I'm, again, it's just think about that sometimes. Just let that mull through your mind a little bit. And I think that will really be kind of encouraging as we think about that. Now, he says the service involved, though, involved the method of developing new converts. Okay, so now we, we've got this, and we've got to hurry here, but the service, the service involved going to the lost, winning the lost, but notice it involved developing new converts. Notice it says that your fruit should remain. You see that? Your fruit should remain. God, obviously, being as wise as he is, had to develop a way for a church to keep the fruit of its new converts. Just because we don't do as good a job as we ought to do with that doesn't mean that it's not possible. The problem is we've got to do a better job by finding out what God wants for us, how to get it done, putting ourselves out there a little bit. Being Christ-like would help tremendously. 
But the fact is, is that God wants churches to keep the fruit that they have been given by him. Jesus telling his disciples, I've chosen you to go to, the, to go to them, to win them, and then to develop them, to train them, or to bring them up, raise them up. And that's the heart of world evangelism, really. The heart of it is keeping the fruit. You know, remain, the fruit that, sh- that remains. That was the strongest part of the New Testament church. They kept people. I was telling you that we had 24 signed, eight of them were kids on our our thing. We had 16, two died, that leaves 14. Out of the 14 members that signed, our our charter membership, nine of them are still with us. Well, that's good. That's pretty good after 20 years come this March. It's not bad. It's not bad. Now listen, the goal is to keep people, not to run them off. Not to say, well, you, you don't like something. There's the door, buster, hit it. That's not how you do it, you know. You don't grow churches doing that stuff. You know, that's what the flesh wants to say. You don't agree with me, you know. Loser, get out of here, man. No, that's not how it works, okay. But, but, but the thing is, is that God expects our fruit as individual Christians even to, to, to remain. It should remain. It does take a lot of work. It takes tremendous effort. And we'll talk more about this as we go along. And we're going to do our best to be better at that as we move along this year. Now, finally, and, and, and as we close, the service involved expecting great results. It involved expecting great results. You say, what do you mean? Well, remember he says in the passage, He says, ye have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. You talk about expectation. That's some pretty awesome expectation. Whatsoever ye shall ask. Now, the the promise is conditional. It's conditional. If you could have everything you wanted and you could just like, a, a, a you know, had a, a little uh, a genie in a bottle and you could rub it and it come out, okay, I'll grant you three wishes. I, you know, those three wishes would probably destroy you. But, 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 but here's the thing. You say, I want a billion dollars. Well, then you'd want more. <laughs> you know, then you'd have everybody on your door knocking and trying to take all your money from you. You, you wouldn't have a moment's rest probably. My, my, my thought is this, though. If God gave all of us everything we wanted, we'd be in, we'd been a mess. So this is conditional again. See, for a man or a woman to have money that has proven themselves worthy of money is one thing. But you give somebody money that doesn't know how to spend money, it'll destroy them. Destroy them. In other words, I've, I've, I've just kind of resigned to the fact that obviously I couldn't handle a lot of money because God never gave me a lot of money. And I've just come to that conclusion. Okay, I guess God, you know better. I used to say to the Lord, Lord, I, I would give it to this and I would give it to that and I would do it. Maybe God knows I wouldn't be so forthright as I think I would. Maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. God knows me better than I do. All I'm saying is, is that we need to be careful. But this has a condition on it. So what's the condition? The condition is stated in the verse already. The condition is, you've been chosen of God and for God. So you have to surrender 
yourself and lose your life in the will of God. That's world evangelism. What did Jesus come to do? Did he come to sing solos? Did he come to organize um, dinner series? I don't ever recall him putting one together. You say he had a last supper. Well, I don't want to organize that too fast. All I'm saying is, what did he come to do? To seek and to save that which was That's why he came. Why did he leave us? Same thing. So we talk about being chosen of God and for God. Well, there you go. Then we're chosen to go. It's very clear again. The child of God has to dedicate their life to reaching the lost. And a good place to start to dedicate that is to, to pick a specific time to go each week and go. Chosen to win souls. God wants us to bear fruit. God wants us to experience the joy and success of leading people to Christ. He wants that for us. Oh, I know it's going to, sometimes it'll be, you know, back to back. And other times it may be, you know, time. And I understand all that stuff. But still, he wants that for us. And then chosen to care for and develop the new converts. God doesn't just want one hit wonders. We run out there, we win a soul and go, you're on your own, baby. Literally, baby. Because they're babes in Christ. Feed yourself, clothe yourself, clean yourself, get to church yourself. How's that supposed to work? They're babies. They're little babies. I can imagine we got five little babies that were just uh, up here the other day on the, on the stage, and we, we dedicated them. It would be amazing if we, we set them all down on the stage and just left them here, and we all went home. I wonder where they'd be tonight if we did that. I wonder how well they'd be doing. I wonder how many of them would even be alive. And that's, unfortunately, how we handle new converts a lot of times. Hey, listen, guilty as charged. I, I, I got a new convert. I led the Lord here a few months back, and I looked at my, I, I, I'm not joking. You, you can call me bad. You can call me wicked, whatever you want. This is honest truth. I found a book buried in some things that had the person's name on it and said, get this to them, had a date on it. I never even took that book over there. What did I just do? I threw the baby out. What's probably going on with that man, that young man? That young man's a college student at the University of Akron. Plays on the baseball team. I blew it. I messed up. I messed up big time. What am I going to do about it? There's a possibility he won't be in the same location. Possibility he won't be in the same house. What am I going to do? Ah, forget him, right? Who cares? Can't do nothing now. Is that true? Yeah, I'd try something, can I? Try to reach him. Maybe at least go back to his house. At least say, hey, you guys know where... Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he still lives here. And then apologize to him. Say, you're going to look stupid. Well, I've looked stupid before. Hey, listen... We all get busy. What a, what a crime that was. Doesn't, does that bother you? It bothers me. I couldn't believe when I saw that book the other day. I went, mm, I can't believe I forgot that. So how'd you do that? Well, I did. I don't know. Can't explain it all. But that's why it's important that we understand this truth. 
But we stay on top of that. New converts. And then chosen to win them, but then chosen to care for and develop the new converts. I wonder how many people aren't in our church today because of that mistake I made. I wonder. I wonder how many college students could be here tonight visiting with him. I wonder. You got any of them that you've let go? I'm not saying that they would be here. Maybe you'd never come. Maybe you'd say, you know what? I'm a college student. I got time. But wait, that's not my business. It's not my decision. It's not for me to determine whether or not he'll be interested or not after he's trusted Christ. I've got to believe that there's something, someone in him now that would make that difference like he made a difference in my life. Lord, what is it that we need to do so that when we pray, we get whatever we want? Well, you need to be completely and totally yielded and obedient to me and my will for your life. And then, I know you'll ask for the right things, and I'll be pleased to give them to you. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd help us tonight. Again, none of us are perfect. Lord, far be it that I am, that's for sure. Lord, help me and help others, Lord, as we move forward in this endeavor. God of heaven, you know... How my heart sank when I saw that name on that book the other day. And Lord, um, I, I just pray, Lord, that you just help me, Lord, to do right, be right. And Father, be with that young man.